With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And welcome to episode 34 of the Bomber Brothers Podcast, part of the Pinstripe Alley community of podcasts. It's Sean and Ryan with you again, and it was looking like we were going to have to scramble to find something to talk about, but then uh, we were reminded last night that it was the uh, deadline to protect players from the Rule 5 draft and add them to, their, to the 40-man roster, but Sean, the noticeable um, news was the players that the Yankees neglected to not protect and just outright release or designate for assignment, and that was Jacoby Ellsbury and Greg Bird. So two two Yankee careers plagued by injuries. Looks like they're going to come to an end. Well, one is definitely at an end, and another one likely at an end with uh, with Bird. Don't forget about Nestor Cortez Jr. either. I mean, uh, yeah. I, th- I think the, the fun of watching him pitch was a lot better than his actual – pitching oh yeah um but uh he he served a good purpose for the yanks in 2019 especially in the middle of the year when they had the all the injury stuff and he he in the early part of the year was very valuable as the as the bulk guy in those opener games and it helped the yankees uh kind of pace themselves ahead of the race there in like july and june but anyway um of course, we're talking about like two of the you know biggest free agent signings and biggest prospects. And I start off talking about Nestor Cortez Jr. Just <laughs> me on my rambles, but I was um, not surprised by the the bird news. I, I thought that was more significant than the Ellsbury news because I mean, um, Ellsbury's done nothing since pinch running in the 2017 ALCS, um, except pretend to have catches in spring training, and that's been pretty much it. Um, so I saw a good tweet. It was, um, you know, Ellsbury getting a call on a golf course and, oh, and saying, yeah, I wait, so I don't have to come in and pretend to play catch next year? Okay, thanks. And as he walks to the next tee box. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess we could talk about Ellsbury first since that's the, the biggest topic. Or Sure, yeah. I mean, what, what, all right, there were injuries and catcher's interferences, and that was the end of his career. Yeah. I think we're I, done. I, <laughs> I mean, it's it's – I hate when people use it as a reason not to sign guys because, I mean, he's been the one bad mega contract the Yankees have given out unless you count A-Rod's second deal, which even isn't that terrible. They got a World Series yes. out of it, and he was yeah. a very productive player for the first half. 
um, plus that one year in 2015. But, um, I mean, it, you know, it was, it was a bad contract from bef- before the ink was even dry and every Yankee fan knew it. And I think it was something that came from ownership's pettiness after the Red Sox won the World Series to try to stick it to them in 2014. And, I mean, I remember, I think it was one of the Steinbrenners, or maybe it was Cashman at the time, said, well, we see this as a double win because we're acquiring a good player and taking him away from a division rival. And that's double just not lose. the way. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was a double lose. Um, but, yeah, Ellsbury was awful with the Yankees. It, it's funny because we're talking about Ellsbury and Bird, and, and even though Bird was probably played half the time as Ellsbury, maybe even less, um, had probably, you know, five really good moments and Ellsbury had, I can't think of one thing that Ellsbury did that was impactful for the Yankees. I can't either. I mean, he pinch ran in the wild card game, but he was, I a, mean, he was a DH in the ALCS. You and me holding each other could have scored from, from third on that, uh, from that ball that judge hit. So yeah. it didn't really matter. <laughs> and it's amazing that th- with what's going on with, Hicks and they still haven't re-signed Gardner that he wasn't even an option and they that's how they feel about him so I mean obviously I think his career is over and um I mean it's just a you know we're glad to have that have that behind us I don't know how this if this has any impact on the the um payroll or anything like that I know they have to pay him his money but I'm assuming it still just hits the luxury tax the same as it would have because otherwise people would be cutting guys all the time yeah yeah he's Um, owed 21 million dollars next year that's nice but then it comes off the books Yankees don't have to exercise that option so yeah um I never was the biggest Cano fan but they should have just kept Cano instead of giving all that money to Ellsbury I was a big Cano fan. I still am a big Cano fan, and that was still one of the most maddening decisions for me as it unfolded. And then obviously after, because Cano was still a very valuable player with the Mariners while Ellsbury was uh, beginning his quest to become the worst signing, free agent signing in Yankees history, maybe the worst free agent signing in baseball history. I definitely think it's deserving of, of the conversation. I mean, if you think about it, at the end of 2017, which was the last time Ellsbury suited up for a game, he still had, what, four years left on his seven-year deal? And Mm -hmm. will likely never play another inning of those four years. So a a seven-year, what was it, 153, something like that? 153 yeah. million. So he played um, in spurts for three seasons of that. Was hardly valuable at all. I think he had like a 95 OPS plus or something like that. So slightly below average when when healthy. Um. So yeah, this definitely. This would probably be my pick. You know, even considering recency bias, I think this would be my pick for the worst free agent signing ever. Yeah, I'm looking at Pete Caldera of USA Today, and he has that as number one above Key Gawa and Carl Pavano. Those are another two terrible ones. But he he has the A Rod ten year deal on the list. But oh, Pedro Feliciano, remember the Yankees had him? I don't even remember that. So yeah, because he got hurt <laughs> in the spring training of his first year and never pitched. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would I would probably say that. It's the worst, and I, I mean, 
Especially because of the era it happened in, right? With the like, the Yankees being cognizant of the luxury tax, it made it worse because the Yankees made it worse on themselves. Um, yeah, I'm I'm looking at this list. Like AJ, well, Kenny Rogers is on it. Yeah, he was horrible. AJ Burnett, I don't consider a bad deal because the Yankees don't win the '09 World Series without him. Yeah, and I I also think Burdett had success after he left New York. So why would you count that? They have the A Rod ten year deal. Pedro Feliciano, Kevin Euclidus. <laughs> oh, I'm having nightmare 2013 flashbacks. Yeah, yeah, this one has K Gawa second too, which I agree with. Yep. So yeah, definitely the worst. Um, yeah, that was that was ridiculous. I don't know where else he was getting seven years, one hundred fifty-three million from as a thirty-year-old speedster in the outfield, but he got it, and uh, yeah, that's very interesting. So he wasn't and, getting it anywhere else. That's that's yeah. the, like you you mentioned it. There's a lot of mega deals that happen, and then there's these legion of fans that, for whatever reason, side with ownership, and they're like, oh, like he wasn't worth this money. Like this is going to tie up our ability to go after other needs. And then this is one of them where both sides agreed, like, this is a terrible deal. Like, you make those contracts for superstar players, not 30-year-old outfield speedsters, like you said. I mean, this this was a contract when signed. I don't know if anyone thought it was going to wind up like this, but I'm pretty sure the vast majority assumed that this was going to be a, a bad deal. It turned out to be even worse, and for me, I, I again, I think the most aggravating part was that that he was signed as sort of compensation for losing Cano. You you pass on re-signing a lefty bat like that, a proven superstar with incredible power who plays 155 games a season for that lefty bat. It was it was just a ridiculous pivot. You know, if you're going to sign that kind of deal, just re-sign Cano. I mean. And and given who the Yankees' second basemen were in those years after Cano walked, like Sarlin Castro and whoever the hell else was at second base during that time, was was Brian Roberts during that time? Or oh, Steve, yeah. And Stephen Drew. I mean, you think of those guys, and it was just it was it was a terrible decision, flat yeah, out. It wasn't wasn't the best, but anyway. Then we get to Mr. Bird, yeah. my boy. Yeah, I mean, how are how are you feeling through all this? I know after his 2015 season, you get a first baseman with a smooth lefty power swing for Yankee Stadium, and I'm sure you were having your your uh, Tino comps already. Oh yeah, absolutely. He was he. I, I'm really bummed. I mean, um, I, I I think I gave up on Bird by the end of last year, maybe the beginning of this year. Probably the beginning of this year, because when he, this year I was like, this is going to be it. This is his opportunity. <laughs> you know, Stanton and Hicks are hurt. He's going to blah, blah, blah. And then he just, no. Even though he had a good spring, which he always did. Um, I, yeah, I mean, it, it's a shame it didn't work out. I think the Yankees made the right decision, though, because they have um, Luke Voigt, who I think people are being too hard on coming off of a very dominant first half and an injury late in second half and you know he had a core injury it's not you know it's not like he broke his ankle twice like bird did so i would expect Boyd to come back next year raking like he always does so the yankees had an awesome first baseman and i feel like they have 
plenty of options at DH where you're going to want to play Void at first or or at DH and you know get Stanton and Andujar in the lineup and um, Mike Ford looks like he could be a lefty complement off the bench or something like that. So there's really no place for Bird. And although the Yankees could retain him, I don't think he would take a minor league deal from the Yankees because I don't think he has the opportunity to win a job with the Yankees. I think he'll go somewhere where he does have the opportunity to win a job. And I don't know what um, what um, G-Man Choi's contract looks like down in Tampa, but um, I could see him go catching on with the Rays and hitting, you know, six home runs against the Yankees this year. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. And, I mean, you're, yeah, I 100% agree about Luke Boyd. I mean, the man had a 144 WRC plus before his initial core problems that began in London, which on a day where he had just hit his th- third double and before he uh, came up lame running into second base. So he was, he was raking from the start of the season until he initially got hurt. And I mean, there were a bunch of other encouraging signs too. A steady drop in, in chase rate, a steady rise in, in base on ball percentage. He was in like the top 10 percentile in all of baseball in base on ball percentage. So clearly a guy who can work at bats and uh, can control his floor when he's slumping, can still work the count and get on base, even when he's not making that hard contact that he's, so coveted for, and like you and, and like you said, Mike Ford, who was a huge bright spot for the Yankees last year in terms of pleasant surprises that they didn't expect to produce like he did. So there, there's your lefty lefty bat that can slide into first base if he doesn't um, drop off. And with all these injuries to Bird, I think the Yankees were just ready to move on. Couldn't waste a spot on the 40-man form because you don't know what he was going to turn into. So I I would assume, uh, you know, a lot of people are still leaving the door open because he could sign a minor league deal or something, but I, I'm pretty sure this is it. If he, if he comes into the spring healthy, someone will give him a chance in, in another major league camp. And I just, I hope he, you know, I hope he stays healthy. Go to the Rockies or something in the National League where he can't hurt us 19 times a year and then i hope he has all the success in the world because i i think it's a bummer to see a a talent like that who even in his abbreviated time had big moments with the yankees it's and it sucks to see someone like that have their career derailed by injury yeah it's the other thing that i was thinking about yesterday too like i was just thinking about him versus ellsbury because everybody was kind of just lumping them together I mean, he's only 27 years old. He's never had a major league contract, right? He's just hit arbitration and not made a ton of money, relatively speaking, for a major league player. Um, He's never gotten paid. So, like, Ellsbury got paid. And, you know, I mean, even Sweeney, who's always very honest, said that Ellsbury never burned to be great. And I saw tweets that Greg Bird was always the pro and he was always working. His body just never cooperated. And, I mean, I feel like I got that sense from watching both of them as well. So you feel bad because Bird never earns the money. He never gets his payday. Ellsbury's set for life while Bird is going to be struggling to struggling to make a major league roster. So it's, you know, I really hope that he finds success somewhere else. Um, you know, if he gets healthy, he'll be a big time player. I still believe that. But that's a big if because once you have lower body issues, he's not driving the ball, not elevating. And we saw what that what that did in 2018 and then in 2019 he never looked like he was fully back to himself aside from spring training which is always very deceiving so um yeah i mean i guess that's about it 
I now have a Greg Bird jersey that I will ironically wear once in a while, but <laughs> that's it. Yeah, well, yeah. and we still have the highlight of the home run off Andrew Miller, which is still a, a fantastic call by Matt Veskersian and a fantastic moment where the, it kept the Yankees alive in that series, which oh, was the yeah, second home run of the series. Yeah, that's one of my top top five moments of being at a game. I would, I would, I think. I think that'd be a. I think that would be a good pick. Yeah. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's it. We closed the book on the two of them, and um, you know, hope Bird catches on somewhere. Not here. Colorado's a good pick because he's from Colorado, so be closer to home and, and hopefully can can rake in that thin air and stay healthy but we'll see we'll see he, he grew out a mullet in the dominican league which was cool so he's already <laughs> on the right track although he didn't hit that much down there but i think he just wanted to get some playing time yeah. new hair new bird i yeah. i do we need some lefties man i i, I feel <laughs> i'll feel like a discriminated against because there's not enough lefties in the lineup anymore yeah well you got ford i'm claiming hicks <laughs> even though he's a switch hitter he is a better lefty just back to Bird real quick before we close the book. Obviously, injuries have derailed him since 2016, but I don't know. I, I was, I, it took me a really long time to come around to the injury-prone idea because he, you know, there was the freak injury in 2016 where he dove for a ball and tore a labrum in his shoulder. Like, that happens. We just saw that happen with Miguel Andujar this past year. Like well, that, no, he, he tore that. I'm sorry to cut in. He, cut in, he tore that in 2015, played through it. Still put up those numbers and then had surgery because he thought it would get better in the offseason. Oh, had right, surgery right. Okay. against 2016. So that's the thing. He played through shit. Like he tried to play through a broken foot or broken ankle, excuse me, in the beginning of 2017, stunk and went on the DL yeah, because of it. That was the next thing I was yeah. going to say. Fouls a pitch off his foot again. Freak, freak injury. They discover, oh, like you have this weird extra bone or something that turned out to be a problem. They take that out. He rakes at the end of 2017 and in the playoffs. And now it just seems like after that he just keeps having these issues down there with the, whether it's the plantar fasciitis in his feet. So it's, it's de- yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a bummer because you, you feel like there's just a, a couple bad breaks kind of set him on this course to take on this fair or unfair narrative and but more importantly just sap him of what looked like was going to be a really promising career. I mean not, not long ago it seemed like when talking to Brian Cashman and other people in the organization that out of all their prospects, the Sanchez's and the judges, it seemed like bird was the most hyped one of all of them. Oh yeah. The, the best hitter in their system as, as Cashman was always saying, um, it is what it is, but no, that's the thing. Don't, you know, people get upset about prospects and, and whatnot, but it's very rare that they work out. And a lot of times you can't predict it. Yeah, and another Which, reason why, when when given the opportunity, if you're in win-now mode, you trade your prospects for players mm-hmm. that make you better right then and there. Yep. I mean, I don't think Cashman has prospect-hugged, so no, to speak. No, no, me neither. Because, you know, he's moved a lot of guys, and, um, you know, the only time you could say that was the Garrett Cole thing, but everybody thinks Houston gave a lesser offer anyway, so than what the Yankees were offering. So you can't really say that, but yeah. So um, what else is going on? Well, speaking of injuries and the news from yesterday, the Yankees, which I don't think was a surprise to anyone, added Estevan uh, 
Floreal to the to the forty man roster. Another player who's been sapped by injury over the last couple of years and was one of the most hyped prospects remaining in the Yankees farm system. So what are you uh what are you hoping to see from him in, in the coming years? Obviously just get healthy, but um I don't know. It seemed like there was a time when you know, like right before even before the Stanton trade where the thought was that he was going to be the Yankees one of the Yankees next you know, future foundation outfielders along with Aaron Judge. I don't know if that's still the outlook right now given the injuries that he's had, but he's he's probably the one that highlights the additions to the 40-man roster, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I I know that they've always been high on him, but I've read scouting reports that say his swing, you know, his his wrists aren't are too stiff when he swings. It makes his swing too long. He strikes out too much blah, 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 and a lot of those things usually don't project to get better. That's what I've read. But, I mean, I mean, I think they have center field pretty locked up with Hicks for the next six years, depending on how healthy he is. Yeah. I, I think Floreal becomes a player that winds up getting moved. I mean, that's they don't, I don't think you want to lose him in the Rule 5, but you can use him as a chip. I think he's a player that winds up getting, getting – uh, shifted elsewhere i think it'll come down to him or frazier one of them has to get moved yeah absolutely and frazier has proven he can hit at the major league level floreal's been injured and you know hasn't what's the highest he's ever been has he even made double a yeah yeah i'm pulling up his stats now we got to get a prospect guy on here because that's not my my forte (laughs) we can get robert pimpsner back on Word. So, while you're no, looking, he hasn't. He hasn't even been a double A. For some reason, I thought he had a stint there. Tampa Tarpons this year, where he hit two thirty seven with a six eighty OPS. Oh, nice! In seventy four games, and then twenty eighteen, he was with uh, the Gulf Coast League Yankees, East and West, and the Tampa Tarpons. Well, there you go. 2017 Charleston River, River Dog single A. So he's only made it to sing, full full year single A and advanced A. So all right. Well, he's got a ways to go. Yeah, we've seen him in spring training, obviously, but yeah. Uh, and I mean, Gardner was really high on him, but we'll um, we'll see what happens. I mean, geez, you're selecting the guy's contract who's never made it past single A. You must really believe in him, which, I mean, the Yankees would know better than I do. There's a lefty bat I could believe in. <laughs> there you go. There's long, on long, the horizon. Left, long lefty swing. It's exactly, exactly what I desire. <laughs> um, all right, so what other news was there? There's the news that the Yankees could look to package Jay Happ in a trade. I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I read that. Yes. In an, in an attempt to make room for Cole or somebody. God, if you think you need to move Hap to get Cole, come on. Just get Cole and then worry about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I saw that. I think I think that's pretty much a given is that the Yankees will probably try to unload that contract um, by attaching something to it. Maybe Clint Frazier. I don't know. But, um, I mean, you know, if, if the Mookie Betts trade doesn't work out. Right. <laughs> um, I saw ridiculous um, trade ideas from um, – who was it? John Harper with Miguel Andujar. 
I don't think I saw that one. Oh, oh man, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta see this. Um, hold on. These trade proposals. Could oh, just these, be... these are ridiculous. All right, so it was John Harper of SNY. Andrew Hart to the Braves for Max Fried and Tucker Davidson. What? Andrew Hart to the Angels for Joe Adele. Okay. <laughs> Who is like their, their top prospect. Yeah. Why would Andrew the Hart Angels to, do that? <laughs> Andrew Hart to the Tigers for Matt Manning. Matt Manning. That's a name I'm not familiar with. Tigers farm system, 6'6 six, six right-hander, ace potential. So another top prospect. And then here's one that it's just like, why would you even bother? Andrew Hart to the Cubs for Kyle Schwarber. That's just trading two exact problems for each other. Like <laughs> Schwarber gives the Yankees no value that Andrew Hart doesn't, except Andrew Hart's younger and has more team control. So, But that's your lefty bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it has to make sense. I don't you know. <laughs> yeah. No, those are, those are odd. I mean – Andohar's trade value is is certainly not at its peak right now. I mean, we know he can hit, and we know he's been posting videos of himself getting some defensive workouts in over the past couple days, but his his defense is really bad and he's coming off a really serious injury. You're not you're not getting the top prospect in someone's organization for that. Yeah. <laughs> and and for the Tigers one, the Tigers wanted Glaber Torres for Matt, Matthew Boyd. You you think uh, gonna, <laughs> you think they're going to give up their um ace potential prospect for a terrible defender coming off a really bad injury? I would I would probably say no. Yeah, I'd shy, I'd shy away from that one. That was yeah, that was interesting. Well, it is going to be interesting to see what the Yankees do with with Andujar and see how he how he heals and and comes around. I don't know if they're going to try to have a position battle with him and Urshela. I, I mean, just thinking ahead now, I would imagine Urshela wins that battle going yeah, away. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Andohar just just takes Encarnacion's spot. You know, DH. Yeah. I mean, there's you shouldn't be DHing a 28 year old Stanton. He's going to be next year. Is that? Am I right on that? No. No. I thought Stan was about to be 30. Maybe. How does that rank among contracts? Way too early. Oh, yeah, he's 30. He's 30, sorry. Way too early to tell. I mean, he had a good year in 2018, unfortunately a bad postseason. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I mean, that's a contract they inherited. I mean, the Marlins signed that deal, and he also hit 59 home runs. Yeah. So... I think too early to tell. Definitely has a chance, at least in the back end, to be one of the the poorer ones. Yeah. Well, hopefully by then he's just a DH that rakes, the Jason Giambi type. Yeah. We'll see. Maybe he could get fat and be like Cecil Fielder. <laughs> but hopefully he's nicer than Cecil Fielder because Cecil Fielder was kind of kind of off putting. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he. When we met him, it did not seem like he wanted to be there. That made me sad because I was always a big Big Daddy fan. Yeah, same here. Even, even though he took playing time from Tino in the World Series, I still like I liked him that much. Well, it proved to be the right decision because he he was valuable at the plate. Oh yeah, no, absolutely, it was. Um, and Tino was struggling pretty badly then. 
Yeah, I mean, it took Tino a couple of years to become the, the most clutch player in Yankee history, but he got there. Yeah. <laughs> no small feat. Um, yeah. I saw an article for, I think Sam Miller posted it, actually. Um, is he going to be there tonight, by the way, at the Fangraphs thing? I didn't see his name. Yeah, I didn't see his name either. That's a bummer. But anyway, um, I saw an article that Sam Miller posted about the baseball genie where you can make, like, trades, but with the genie. Mm-hmm. So it was, you can still have Mariano Rivera on the Yankees, but you'd have to give up Glaber Torres. Would you do that? No. No? So you would take Torres and Chapman over Mo. I mean, are we talking just like on the field? Or are we talking like I would feel a little better rooting for the team? He's there. Mo is on the roster. Chapman and Torres <laughs> are not. That's, that's all. You, you, everything else that goes with it is there. I guess I would take Mo then. You would take Mo? Okay. But if you're talking about just strictly on-field value, you'd still have a plus reliever in the bullpen, and you'd have a position player that's a superstar that plays every day. Yeah. So in that aspect, I would I would keep Glaber and tolerate cool. Chapman. <laughs> but, but no, if we're, yeah, if we're talking about it, it, it would incredibly boost my ability to, to root for the Yankees without restraint or disappointment i guess you could say gotcha (sighs) um speaking of mo the yankees most recent hall of famer i guess the last thing to touch on is the the hall of fame class obviously there's we've already begun the talks of was jeter overrated and will he be unanimous and all that also a couple other former yankees have hit the ballot soriano's on there pettit oh alfonso soriano better get in (laughs) Yeah, did they not watch him in the second half of 2013? I mean, he had a good career. No, he did. But, uh, yeah, I mean... The the thing that... Obviously, Jeter should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, that I, yeah. I, I think is without goes without saying. I also I think would not would, be surprised I, if he wasn't unanimous. Yeah, because somebody's going to just be a, a jerk. I mean, that's just the way it is. I, I think everybody thinks – and here's the point I want to make. Derek Jeter posted a career war of – and I know war is not everything, but 72.4. Larry Walker, who's on his last year in the ballot, posted a career war of 72.7. I, I mean, there's just no rhyme or reason to some of this stuff. It's – so if Jeter doesn't get unanimous, it, it, I, to me it doesn't matter. To me it's just silly people making stupid decisions. It's, it is what it is. Like There's no reason for Larry Walker not to be in the Hall of Fame. If you're not putting Larry Walker in the Hall of Fame, then you can never put anybody who plays for the Colorado Rockies in, which is ridiculous because you put a major league team there. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's silly. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not getting caught up in if Jeter gets in unanimous or not. I don't think he will. He's pissed off too many writers over his lifetime. One of them's going to hold a grudge and not vote for him. And, you know, we've seen some of these guys are petty. We've seen it with, you know, Albert Bell and and everybody else. So I saw it all the way back with Ted Williams. <laughs> it's been going on for yeah. decades. So, anyway. Yeah, I agree. I don't think he'll be unanimous. I think he'll be an obvious first ballot Hall of Famer, as mm-hmm. he deserves to be, even though he was not good in the field. He might um, be the only one that gets in. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm looking at the ballot, and he he could be the only one that gets in. I mean, my ballot would probably be Bonds, Clemens, Jeter, Walker, 
Wagner, I guess. I guess that would I guess that would be the guys I'd vote for. Yeah, that ball that Pujols hit off him has landed by now, so we can uh, yeah. we could probably let him in. I think That's just a, now when we started recording. Y- yeah, me too. So anyway, uh, Hall of Fame season always fun. Do you think Bobby Abreu gets in? Dad's all-time favorite Yankee. The one Dad would spend all of his fantasy money on in the first oh. round. You know what? And have 75 cents left to build the rest of his team. Abreu was the perfect player with the Yankees that put up all the stats, but I just couldn't. Just watching him like go by the wall in right field <laughs> made me so so sick. I think I think he deserves to stay on the ballot for sure. Yeah, stay on the ballot, but he doesn't need to. Uh... I would have yeah. to look more at his numbers, but he was a great player. I mean, when he came over in 06, he put up he had a 926 OPS. That's pretty pretty wild. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, 827 OPS from 07 to 09 too as as a Yankee. So, pretty good job. Yeah. Average average season for with the Yanks was 290 17 homers, 101 RBIs. This can't be. He stole 77 bases with the Yankees? Man, Bobby Abreu was way more valuable with the Yankees than I thought. Yeah. Damn. I still don't like him. (laughs) I'd still rather have Alfonso Soriano in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. All right. uh, Well, what are we looking forward to this week? That's it? We're, We're done? I don't I'm, know. I'm, We've hit all our topics. We're, we're well. I mean, wait, wait, wait. We haven't even talked about our special band aids that buzz us when when we have a changeup coming. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, if that's true, that's so crazy. Yeah, that would be insane. Oh yeah, that is something we didn't touch on. Yeah, I mean, wow. That so that people look back at the 2017 World Series video, and it seems like the sign stealing operation is like right there. Guys are coming back into the dugout after the game, and there's someone taking down that monitor right next to the trash can. There's towels hanging from the pipes above to kind of block the view into the dugout to see it. I mean, it was, uh, again, that's obviously something that you don't even look twice at when you don't know this news, but then you read about this, and it just seems so blatant. So it's going to be interesting. I don't know what these punishments are going to be. Ken Rosenthal just came out with a column saying how MLB's investigation shouldn't stop with the Astros, which I completely agree with. I'm sure this is going on elsewhere. Although, just what we know about the Astros organization, I could definitely get on board with the belief that they're the only ones going to these kind of lengths. But I'm sure there's plenty of people stealing signs with using means that are not considered legal or on a level playing field yeah it the world series video as you know we always enjoy them really um which should have been celebrating the astros could be their demise because that was the uh you know i mean john boy's been like the poster boy for all this he's been like tearing it up and there's been so many more videos and you've heard about the hands on the fence now and and you know, you've seen the setup. You've seen it before and after. Like, you've seen pictures with games. And so, and I, I saw the picture I haven't seen talked about. You see all the sunflower seeds underneath that table? Yeah, Somebody's like sitting someone at that sitting table there. for a long time. <laughs> As somebody who rides the bench quite frequently, I know what it's like to sit during a whole baseball game and how many seeds you eat. So, um, yeah, I was um, 
yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure that, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that there's going to be some heavy fines. And um, now there's been accusations of the Brewers with you, Darvish, and um, what's his oh, face yeah. going back and forth. Um, Yelich. Yelich. That was interesting. You, Darvish, is, is a beast on Twitter, by the way. Yeah, he's great. Um, so we'll see. Um, yeah, it, it's it's getting crazy, especially if you have the um, this Band-Aid thing going on with, with buzzing. And uh, who, who knows if that's actually going to pan out. It seems like it might. And you have Beltron and Cora being looked at closely now by Major League Baseball. So it's really unraveling quickly and i'm just i'm hoping the yankees don't get involved they had that one thing where they like mismanaged the bullpen phone Mm -hmm. in 2017 but that was the yankees getting retaliated against for the red Sox after the apple watch thing yep (laughs) um which was interesting and we'll see anyway i um we'll see you know we'll see what happens but I mean, I don't think any titles will be stripped or anything like that. No, There's no. going to be some heavy fines, which really won't matter. Um, but hopefully, some draft picks taken away, and um, some suspensions for the for the managers, the coaches involved, and you know, um, I mean, I you know, probably take away the Astros next uh, next couple next couple uh, dra- first-round draft picks and give them to the Yankees, the Dodgers, and the Red Sox <laughs> since they, they all got eliminated that year. Sounds fine to me. But think about it. Imagine if, if the Red Sox – I mean, imagine if the Astros went to the playoffs and stunk. Then we've got a Yankees-Red Sox, ALCS, which I'm confident the Yankees would have won because, you know. Yeah, by that point in the season, the Yankees the were Yankees, playing so much better than the Red Sox. Yeah, the the – from the the game Severino beat Sale on Sunday Night Baseball in September, the Yankees were like five games back, maybe even more. It might have been like seven games back, and just came roaring back. Played great, even though the Red Sox played well down the stretch. But um, because Bird and Ellsbury were raking, Ellsbury was <laughs> raking in September. But also Severino was awesome. Yeah, Tanaka down the stretch was really good. Judge had one of his best months of the season in a yeah. season where he was unreal. Yeah, absolutely. And the Yankees matched up really well with the Red Sox that year. So, you know, it would have been like a great thing. They have the comeback against the Indians, then they go and beat the Red Sox to go to the World Series. That would have been sick. That damning would have made for a cheap. cool, non-damning World Series video. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> anyway. So, hey, I just pulled up Mr. Tibbs uh, to go back to Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame tracker. Here's the – I'm just eyeballing this. Kurt Schilling had 64.7% last year. Bonds and Clemens both had exactly 62.6, uh, 62.2, excuse me. So you have to get 75% to get in. Yeah, they're not going to have enough of a rise to get in. Walker had 59.7. This is his last year on the ballot. You That's think he ridiculous. gets in? That's ridiculous. He better. Yeah. Um, there's only been one public ballot cast, Barry Bonds. And Clemens are on it, so they have 100%. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, yeah, it was a writer for the Detroit Free Press. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I... I, I don't know. Soriano's not going to steal any votes from anybody. Neither is Cliff Lee. Neither is Paul Canerco. Jason Giambi won't. Raphael Fercal won't. Bobby Abreu might be the only one to take any votes. And you just cleared off a lot of names on the ballot with yeah. Lucene. And um, Halliday, Edgar, and G- and uh, and Mo. We'll see. 
Interesting. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's about it. All right. So uh, are we both just looking forward to later tonight as we record on Thursday morning, going to Fangraphs Live in, in the city? Is well, I think we should take something different, so I'll let you take Fangraphs Live. Okay. So you're looking forward to that? Yeah. Cool. Um, well, we'll probably record before Thanksgiving. I assume we're probably not going to do an episode Thanksgiving morning. I, I can't. I'll be working. All the high school football games are on Thanksgiving morning. Yeah, homecoming and whatnot, right? Yep. Cool. Um, so what am I looking forward to this weekend? I'll probably just play a little more Jedi Fallen Order. I really like the game so far, the way you explore and everything like that. New episode of The Mandalorian. I thought the first episode was okay. I really like the second episode. Um, and yeah, but no, I mean, if I couldn't, if I could pick the same thing as you, I'd probably say I'm looking forward to, to tonight. Yeah. And if I had um, to pick something different, it would have been The Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, Actually, you know what? No, I'm going to take something totally different. On Monday night, I'm going to the Rangers game, and Zuccarello, who was one of my favorite players, is coming back uh, to play against them. And after the game, because I'm a season ticket holder and have like these little packages, I'm getting my picture taken at Center Ice. That's cool. So I'm going to get on the Garden Ice and probably try to steal some and put it in like a little thing and, and use it like Bobby Boucher's water if, yeah. I ever need a, <laughs> if I ever need a boost. Sounds good. So that'll be fun. How are the Devils doing this year? About as well as the Rangers. Oh, we're only four points back of a playoff spot, Ryan. Congrats. You must play in the, they we, must play in the NBA Eastern Conference. And we've, we've, and we've played a lot less games yeah. than everybody else. Because the, the NHL decided to give us uh, three games in the first two weeks of the season for some reason. It was weird. NHL scheduling is always weird. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we'll see. I don't think the Rangers will make the playoffs, but I just I know the Devils are not doing well. No, so I, they will yeah. not be making it either. So springtime will be wide open for for baseball. Well, I mean, we got to hope both teams turn around within the next three years because we're gonna have nothing to watch in uh, 2022. I think it'll be. Yep, yep. That's hopefully the Devils and the Knicks rebuilds will be complete by then, or else I'm in big trouble. <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right, uh, I guess that's it. So um, I'll see you later tonight in in New in well on the train. Oh right, wait, are you meeting me here or at the train station? I don't know. I All guess right. we'll figure it out. All right, we'll talk about it offline. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if people <laughs> want to meet at my house to go to the Fangraphs event, uh, you know, just text us. We'll get the address. All right. Well, uh, thanks everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Well, a little earlier than normal, and yeah, talk to you before the holiday. See you later, everybody. Get the uh, get the gardener contract done this week, so we have something to talk about next week. Yes, please. <laughs>